0: Well, good morning, Grace Fellowship. We're really glad that you're here. I'm uh, Pastor Tim, and last week we started a journey through the book or the letter of 2 Corinthians that you will find in the New Testament. Uh, This is a very personal letter that uh, a guy by the name of Paul, we call him the Apostle Paul, wrote to a church uh, called Corinth. And uh, he talked uh, last week. He talked about something very personal in his own uh, particular life. This morning, he's going to talk about something personal uh, in their life. And so, this morning is going to be personal. Uh, Last week, we talked about suffering and comfort. This week, we're going to talk about repentance and forgiveness. Repentance and forgiveness. Say that with me. Repentance and forgiveness. Say it like you like you like these topics repentance and forgiveness. Okay, many of you, uh, if you're not there now, uh, you have been there. You will be there at some point in the middle of a relationship where repentance and or forgiveness is somewhat lacking, and it's creating problems in your entire relational world. So if you are the type that just love to repent and love to forgive, this message is going to be a breeze for you. The rest of you buckle up, because this is going to be personal. The reality is, friends, a sin breaks our relationships. It breaks our relationship with God. It breaks our relationship uh, with each other. That's why Jesus died on the cross, to reconcile ourselves not just to God, uh, but to each other. And so to follow Jesus, to be a Jesus follower, is to live a life of repentance and forgiveness. There are two basic verses that guide us in this process in the Gospels, Matthew chapter 5 and Matthew chapter 18. We'll put them on the screen. Uh, We don't have time to read these passages, but they basically teach us how to heal our relationships, how to reconcile. Each passage approaches the, the relationship from two different perspectives. Either you're the sinner in that relationship, or you have been sinned against in that relationship. Matthew chapter 5 tells us that if we have sinned against someone, Have you ever hurt somebody's feelings? You are to go to them. You are to confess your fault. You are to repent of that fault. You are to seek forgiveness from them. Offer restitution when and where possible and reconcile, work to reconcile that relationship. If you have been sinned against, have you ever been sinned against? Matthew 18 tells us, that we need to go and confront that, that situation and that person to offer uh, what it would take to correct that situation and work uh, to reconcile that relationship. So uh, here, here's the thing, friends. We as Jesus followers uh, are never to, to write off relationship you know, to give up on each other. Jesus calls us uh, to heal our relationships through repentance and forgiveness. And the second thing, friends, that these two two passages tell us is that the responsibility, the responsibility of reconciling these relationships is always yours. It's always yours. Now, most of us, we kind of sit back and we wait for the other person to make the first move. Well, they know what they did. Or if they were really sorry, you know, they they would, Matthew 5 tells us if we've sinned, we need to go. If we've been sinned against, Matthew 18, we need to go. So whatever side of the problem you find yourself in that particular relationship, Jesus says be the first. You be the first uh, to repent. You be the first to confront. You be the first to forgive. You be the first to make the move to reconcile this relationship. The world will know me by the way that you love each other. And love always considers the other person first. Love always goes first. So if you're the offender, Matthew 5. If you're the offended, Matthew 18. So with that in mind, everybody got that now? Because that will be on the quiz. I mean, this this is important, friends. This is the key to all of your relationships. Your relationship with God and your relationship with with each other. So what we're talking about this morning is really important and it's really personal because friends the problem the problem is not the sin because we're all sinners. In in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 we're going to be talking about a situation where someone here's the problem. Someone messed up. Surprising, right? Someone did something wrong. The problem is not that we do wrong. Everyone does wrong. Everyone messes up live with a person long enough, and you're going to mess up, you know? Uh, And so repentance and forgiveness is the key to all of our relationships. The problem is our inability or our unwillingness to either repent or to forgive, to work toward reconciliation. So someone in this church had messed up, and neither Matthew 5 nor Matthew 18 was pursued, and so Paul writes to them about this situation. Here we go, starting with verse 4. Chapter two, for I wrote to you out of much affliction and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to cause you pain, but to let you know the abundant love, love that I have for you. He's, he's, he's going to get into this problem and he starts it by saying, my heart is broken over this. Have you, have you ever cried over someone who's messing up their lives, making a bad decision, going the wrong way? and your heart is broken you're not even you know you're not even a part of the problem but you know the affliction and the anguish of someone who's going down the wrong path and they can't see the destruction that they're headed toward you love them and so friends the harsh reality is that broken people break things we do this all the time and it takes someone with a heart like the apostle paul it takes someone with a love for that person to step into that situation and help them see Of what they're doing now scholars believe that paul wrote at least four different letters to the corinthian church we only have two of them uh, here in the new testament and the and the letter that he's referring to in this verse is is a letter that we don't have Uh, but he's telling us this is not this is not fun for me this is not fun for me repentance and forgiveness is never fun for anybody right i mean this is this is this is hard work so paul goes on in verse five now if anyone has caused pain he has caused it not to me but in some measure, not to put it too severely, to all of you. I mean, sin, regardless of what is going on, sin affects everyone. Uh, verse 6, for such a one, this punishment by the majority is enough. So what is he referring to? Someone messed up. They didn't, they didn't pursue the right reconciliation process. Matthew 5, Matthew 18 wasn't done. So Paul wrote to them in verse 4. And so they corrected, that, they corrected their problem. We're not sure what the problem was. It could have been someone um, creating division in the church and just causing all kinds of problems. This could have, Paul had his enemies. It could have been somebody you know, attacking Paul and trying to destroy his, his ministry. It could have been someone, he refers in 1 Corinthians, to someone living in persistent sin uh, that uh, was going unaddressed. And so the fact is that it wasn't good and it was hurting everybody. Sin friends, f- Sin hurts everybody. God hates sin. And the reason he hates sin is because he loves you. Friends, the, the, the only reason God labels anything sin is because it ultimately hurts you and those affected by that choice, okay? He's not just randomly trying to kill your joy. He wants the best for you, and his heart breaks when we choose the wrong thing. We don't know who sinned. We don't know how they sinned. We don't need to know all those gory details. Kind of want to, though, don't we? Why, why, why are we like that, you know? I mean, the, the Harvey Weinsteins and the Jeffrey Epsteins and the, you know, I mean, if you're going to talk about it, I'll listen to it, but, you know, I, I don't want to appear too interested. Why, why, do we, why do we cozy up to all that kind of garbage? There's a very simple reason, friends. The only way to feel better about our dirt is to, to exploit the, the dirt of others. The only reason we're attracted to that kind of stuff is because we don't know how to deal with our own. And so Paul says, they're aware of this, this church is aware of this, Paul is aware of this, he's brokenhearted over this, uh, and he's saying, I, I don't want to write about this, I don't want to address this, but I love you too much to let this go, because this is going to destroy all of us if we don't deal with this. But evidently, in this letter, they, they did deal with it. Now, th- this story has a, has a happy ending. The punishment, he says the punishment was enough. In other words, this guy, he was confronted, he listened to it, he responded, he repented, don't you love that kind of, kind of ending in your relationships? I mean, I, conf- I, I actually talked to somebody that hurt my feelings, and they, and they apologized. They actually said, they actually owned their stuff and said, I'm really sorry. What kind of, don't you love that when that happens? It always happens, right? No, it seldom happens. It doesn't, it doesn't happen near enough for someone to actually have the courage and the love enough to go to a person and say, hey, you know what, this happened, and I'm not good about this. This hurt my feelings to love enough to confront and to love enough to say, you know what, you're right. I'm really sorry I did that. What can I do to make it better? Friends, that's the body. That's following Jesus. That's following Jesus. And so this is hard work. This is very hard work to own your offense, to confront your offender, to work through the messiness of reconciliation. And let's stop there for just a moment because all of you have been there. Some of you are there now. You have a broken relationship and someone isn't owning their repentance. Or someone isn't owning their forgiveness. In either case, you're not working toward the reconciliation that would honor God and heal your relationships. This is hard. This is hard work. And Paul says, I love you too much not to, not to do this and not to try to get this right. This guy was confronted. He confessed. And, and here, here again, I'll just throw this in. Regardless of how loving you try to do this, not everyone who is confronted is corrected, right? For those of you who have tried to do this, uh, we, we've, we've tried to go the biblical route, we've tried to confront and love, and for whatever reason, they chose not to repent? Why, why would they not do that? Well, because you don't do that. There have been times where you've been confronted, and for whatever reason, you, ch- you didn't want to listen, you didn't want to you know, own your stuff, and you didn't want to repent. That's the, that's the nature of broken relationships, and this is what it means to follow Jesus. We live a life of repentance and forgiveness doing the right thing does not always bring the right result but jesus doesn't hold us accountable for the results he holds us accountable for following him so in this situation uh it it actually worked paul is commending them for doing the biblical thing on all, on both sides and so he says this in verse 7 so you should rather turn to forgive and comfort him and and he Or he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. So I beg you to affirm, reaffirm your love for him. For this is why I wrote, that I might test you and know whether you are obedient in everything. He's saying you did the right thing. You confronted and and you corrected. He did the right thing. He confessed and he repented. You did good, but you're not done. You did good, but you're not done. Repentance and forgiveness was extended, but reconciliation is not complete. That's what Paul's saying here. Verse 10. Anyone whom you forgive, I also forgive. Indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, has been for your sake in the presence of Christ. In other words, this is, friends, your broken relationship isn't isolated. If you're at odds with someone, that's going to bleed out into another relationship of yours. Your bitterness, your anger, your, your vengefulness, your, you know, whatever you're feeling toward this person, your hurt, your offense, if this is not dealt with biblically, this will spread out into your other relationships and everyone will be affected by not doing this biblically. Why, why do we say this? Verse 11, so that, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan for he, w- we are not ignorant of his designs. Satan would love nothing more than for you to live in an unreconciled situation with another human being. Satan hates everything that Jesus loves, and Jesus loves you. And so his biggest strategy is to keep you divided from one another, and to keep you at odds with one another, to keep you in broken, unreconciled relationships. So friends, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? It means to live a life of repentance and forgiveness. And it starts with Jesus, friends. No heart that is truly forgiven by Jesus would not seek to forgive those who have offended them. No heart that is truly uh, forgiven by Jesus would not seek to repent when they have wronged another human being. So, what does Paul teach us in this passage? There's seven things that that, uh, that benefits us when we actually repent and forgive. And here's the first one, friends: personal pride is conquered personal when you forgive someone that conquers your pride because one of the chief causes of an unforgiving heart is a wounded ego you think about someone who has hurt you and your unwillingness to forgive that person why why is it that you don't want to forgive them how dare they do this to me (laughs) you have no right to treat me in this way this is me you're doing this to (laughs) You know what i i don't i don't i don't deserve this and yeah you don't um but jesus would tell us that unforgiveness is as much a sin as the sin that needs to be forgiven what is equally true uh of their sin is that your sin is not justified by their sin you you remember what it says in the lord's prayer forgive us our debts as we do what Forgive our debtors. Friends. Sin, sin creates a debt relationship. And we are commanded to forgive specifically on the basis of God's forgiveness toward us. And one of the struggles that we face is, to, is, uh, is not to sin in response to the sin committed against us. From wallowing in self-pity uh, to, to violent retaliation and revenge and everything in between. The, the need to protect our pride when offended makes forgiveness impossible because when someone sins against us we don't want to admit that they had the power to hurt us paul says something very interesting in verse 5 he says if anyone has caused pain he has not caused it to me now this is indicating that this sin was affecting paul but paul was not going to make this personal The offender was making it personal about Paul, but Paul was refusing to make it personal about Paul. This is so important, friends. You get hurt and you get offended and then your friends come around you and they, you know, they try to make you feel better. And they say things like, oh, that was so horrible. What they did to you. How could they do that to you? That is so bad. I mean, you have every right to feel bad. You have every right. And then they start feeding that ego and then you start thinking, yeah, I do have a right to be mad. I even have a right not to forgive. How, uh, you've got to be careful with this, friends. Your allies may have good intentions, but you've got to check your spirit w- because when they say things like that, because when, when you're hurting and the temptation is to justify your resentment and, and it, it, to bolster your own ego and to protect your own pride, Paul says if anyone has caused pain, your p- friends, here's the deal, your pain may be justified, and it probably is, but your resentment is not you're allowed to hurt but you are not allowed to hold that hurt and to allow that to create bitterness and resentment and revenge and payback friends no one's sin justifies your own paul says this is not about me in other words this is this is not what he did to me this is just what he did you see the difference in those two statements uh, parents, this might be a, a good parenting tool because sometimes we, as parents, get offended by the mistakes our kids make. You know, I'm your mother. How, why? Why would you do that? You know, um, if if you would just parent in a way that says, "This is what you did. Let's deal with what you did. Let's not deal with how. You know, I'm. You know, I'm upset. I'm disappointed. You hurt my feelings. That's 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 all secondary. So this this is this is what what we've got. Let's let's try to correct. Let's try to correct this. Friends, love always considers the, the need of the other person, not the need of myself. And what this person needed was confrontation. What this person needed was to be shown his fault. What, what this person needed was an opportunity to repent and to make it right. And so um, my justified resentment isn't going to help him do that. So this is not about me, me you know, justifying uh, my sense of justice or making me feel better. This is about what you did that needs to be corrected. And how I feel about it is far less important than you getting it right with God and with me and with everyone else that's been affected. Friends, this, this requires an em- enormous amount of humility, right? <laughs> this requires a great deal of setting my personal feelings aside to do what's right, and to get it right in your relationships. Genuine forgiveness conquers pride. Here's the second thing. It also demonstrates God's mercy. We understand this from the gospel. Paul says this punishment, in other words, this this course of correction, um, is enough for this person. Now he uses the word punishment. It's not the word for vengeance or retaliation. This is Matthew 18. We're fixing a problem here, and we're reconciling a relationship. We're demonstrating mercy. It, we talk about the difference between grace and mercy. Grace is uh, giving a person what they don't deserve, and mercy is, is not giving a person what they deserve. Uh, a police officer pulls you over for speeding. Uh, you're guilty, and, and the police officer hands you a gas card. That's, that's never happened to me, but that, that would be grace. Okay? Um, That's grace. Uh, But the police officer pulls you over and decides not to write you a ticket. Friends, that's mercy because you deserve the ticket. And he chose not to give it to you. Okay? So here's the deal. Mercy, Mercy loves the offender more than it hates the offense. Mercy is more concerned about getting it right than how they feel about it. It's more concerned about the person who has done the wrong than the wrong that they have done. It doesn't ignore the wrong. It just doesn't focus on the wrong. It wants to get it right for the sake of the offender and for the sake of the relationship. God in his mercy, friends, this, he chose to pay the price of your sin so that you would not suffer the consequence of your sin. And that's what forgiveness does. It pays the price. Friends, forgiveness is the costliest thing you will ever do. It is the the most painful, it is the most demanding thing that you will ever do. The Bible calls sin a debt. It describes it in a monetary fashion. Sin creates a debt between the sinner and the one sinned against. So, for example, you steal $100 from me. How dare you, okay? Um, But you've created a $100 debt. But I choose to forgive you. You no longer owe me $100. But the problem is, I'm still out $100. <laughs> Who's going to cover that 100 bucks? Well, I am. If I, choo- if I genuinely choose to forgive you, I'm, I'm going to bear the debt of that offense. Friends, that's exactly what Jesus did to, for you. You owed a debt you could not pay. Jesus paid a debt he did not owe. He took on your debt in the attempts to reconcile with you. And so, friends, Jesus followers do this all the time. We bear the debt of other people's sin for the sake of reconciling that relationship. Forgiveness reflects the mercy of God. Here's the third one spiritual joy is restored. When you forgive, you restore the joy of that relationship. David talked about that in the Old Testament. God, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Paul uses three words here. Forgive, comfort, and excessive sorrow. You need to forgive him. You need to comfort him. But you also need to avoid what, what he calls excessive sorrow. Here's the deal, friends. When a, when a person, how can you tell that a person is genuinely repentant? They feel bad. Now, they do more than feeling bad. uh, Repentance is far more than feeling bad, but it's not less than feeling bad. A person who is genuinely repentant is really sorry for what they did, and more so, they're sorry for what it did to you. And then on the other end, what is genuine repentance? Genuine repentance doesn't eliminate the sorrow. It just releases the offender of the debt that they created. So just kind of a, you know, a, a pointer for you, and I know this is something that I, I struggle with, that I try to work on, when it comes to reconciling a relationship. When, when a person wants to apologize to you, let them apologize to you. Most of us most of us, when someone comes and says, "You know what? Hey, I'm really sorry I did that," most of us will say, "Oh, don't worry about it. No big deal. Anybody ever said that? Okay. That, mi- that is minimizing their offense. And it's also minimizing your forgiveness. Okay, you cannot forgive something that you don't recognize, that you don't acknowledge. And so you need to give that person the gift of repentance to own their stuff. Because when they own their repentance, you can own your forgiveness and reconciliation, genuine reconciliation can occur. Okay, so uh, forgiveness doesn't deny the hurt. It just doesn't hold the hurt against this person okay so uh the first step in repentance is saying this is what i did a genuinely genuinely repentant person will say this is what i did and a genuinely forgiving person will say yes this is what you did but i choose not to hold this offense against you so number four genuine love it leads to number a genuine love is manifested It reaffirms the love that you have. When you repent and you forgive, it reaffirms the love that you have for each other. Genuine repentance is always overwhelmed by sorrow. They're grieved by the pain they inflicted. They're grieved by the relationship they broke. They offer restitution when and where possible. And genuine forgiveness on the other side allows that to happen for the purpose of reconciliation. Now again, sin is a debt. Uh, It's described in monetary terms. Uh, So for example, you take out a loan at a bank, uh, we've all done this, and so you've created a debt with a bank that you have to pay back. There's no, you have to pay this back. You are now the debtor. But here's the thing. A debt. When you sin, you are no longer in charge of the payback. You're the debtor. You cannot dictate the terms of the payback. Nobody takes out a loan at a bank and then tells the bank, this is how I'm going to pay you back. The bank's not going to go for that, okay? However, on the other side, who wants to do business with a bank who abuses the debtor, you know, changes the terms of the loan or charges exorbitant interest or decides, you know, it's not going to be three years, now it's going to be 18 months or what? Who, who would want to do business with a person who's going to use that debt to control and manipulate that person? Friends, here's the deal. I can't hurt you and then tell you how to feel better, Well, I said I was sorry. Friends, genuine repentance, that's that's not love. That's not love. Genuine repentance is saying, I'm really sorry that I hurt you, and I know that I hurt you. What can I do to make that right? I can't dictate to you how to feel better, but I want to do my part in you feeling better. And then, again, on the other side, the one forgiving. Friends, to hold that offense over their head, to use that offense in the future when things don't go quite right, To to use that to control them and to manipulate them, friends, that's not love either. 1 Corinthians 13 says love does not demand its own way. We live a life of repentance and forgiveness. Here's the fifth one. Discipleship is proven. Matthew 5 and Matthew 18. Sometimes you're the offender. Sometimes you're the offended. When you offend, you repent. When you're offended, you forgive. The problem is sometimes you repent and they don't forgive. What's up with that? Sometimes you confront you're in love for their good, but they don't, re- they, they don't repent. What, what's up with that? You've done the right thing, but you've not gotten the right result. Friends, what, what would Jesus say to that? You've done the right thing, but you've not gotten the right result. Jesus would say, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't hold you accountable for getting the right result. I am calling you to do the right thing. And many times, friends, doing the right thing is its own reward you just do what god has called you to do and you leave the rest of the work of the holy spirit number six biblical unity is maintained here's the deal friends your unwillingness to own your part either in the reconciliation or in the forgiveness is not an isolated event if you are unrepentant if you're rebellious that's going to bleed out into all of your relational world If you are hurt and bitter and angry, that's going to bleed out into all of your relational world. We all feel that from you. And this is exactly what Paul is saying. I'm not going to make this about me because there's something bigger than me going on here. I belong to the family of God. I don't want any of my relationships affected by this this broken relationship. And so I'm going to do my part to make this right for the benefit of all of my relationships. Why do we say that? Because here's number seven, friends. When you repent and when you forgive, spiritual victory is assured. As I said, Satan hates everything that God loves and God loves you. He loves your relationships and so hate, Satan hates your relationships. He wants nothing more than to destroy your relationships, to come between your relationships, to divide you, to put you at odds with one another, to leave you in an unrepentant spirit, to leave you in an unforgiving spirit, refusing to, fr- to repent Or to forgive invites satanic satanic chaos into your entire relational world. And so, to follow Jesus, you seek forgiveness, you offer forgiveness, you work toward reconciliation, you do your part, and you you leave the rest to God. And this, friends, this is the gospel. Jesus paid the price of your sin so that you would not have to live the consequence of that sin. And so, as far as the East is from the West, God has removed the penalty of your sin and remembers it no more. May we do for others what Jesus has done for us. You may be there now. If not, you will be there at some point in your life where you need to repent or you need to forgive. And as a Jesus follower... We will not allow the schemes of Satan to destroy us. And I can't think of a, a better you know, thought th- than that to lead us into communion. Ushers, if you want to get ready for that. Um, here's what I want us to do as we move into uh, this part of our service. You probably have a relationship right now. And if you don't, just think of a, a relationship that just needs to get better. But many of us have a relationship right now that's not completely not god honoringly reconciled. And it's either calling for more genuine repentance on your part or more genuine forgiveness on your part. I'm just I'm just inviting you, I'm just warning you, I'm just encouraging you. Don't let Satan grab a foothold into your spirit and into your life by your refusal to repent or forgive. Follow Jesus and honor God in the way that you pursue your relationships. Jesus paid the price that you owed so that you could forgive as he has forgiven you. Would you pray with me? Father, to that end, speak to our spirits and guide our thoughts. And more than that, Father, direct our ways. If we need to repent, give us the love sufficient enough to own our stuff. If we need to forgive, give us the love enough to release the debt so that Satan would not destroy our relational world, would not destroy our relationship with you, but that you would be honored in the way that we maintain love between each other. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.